Hello there, and welcome to the Lancet HIV's April podcast. Today, I'm talking to Evgeny Kropitsky from Pavlov State Medical University and the Bektrev National Medical Center in St. Petersburg, Russia. I'm going to be talking to Evgeny about a study published in the April issue of the Lancet HIV called Slow-Release Naltrexone Implant versus Oral Naltrexone for Improving Treatment Outcomes in People with HIV Who Are Addicted to Opioids. And this is a randomized controlled trial that took place in St. Petersburg. Hi there, Evgeny. Good afternoon. Just to give us a little bit of background to the rationale for your study, could you explain why HIV treatment outcomes are so poor in people with opioid use disorders? Yes, yeah, sure. The major reason for poor outcomes of antiretroviral therapy in people with opioid use disorders is um, a poor adherence, poor compliance to antiretrovirals. <clears throat> because of uh, uh, relapse to opioids and chaotic life of people using uh, opioids, uh, the uh, adherence to antiretrovirals is not very good, and that's the major reason for antiretroviral therapy to be um, to be not as effective as it is supposed to be. Your study took place in St. Petersburg and the surrounding area. Can you briefly describe what the situation is like there, and how big a problem is opioid use, and um, and how is it? interlinked with the HIV epidemic in, in the population there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> uh, we had a very, very dramatic uh, epidemic of um, opioid uh, use disorders of opioid dependence in the late 90s, beginning of 2000s. Probably something like up to <clears throat> 2010 or something like that. So, um, for the last five, uh, six years, the prevalence of opioid addiction is gradually went down, and even um, overdose rates went down within the last at least five, seven years uh, because of uh, new drugs like uh, synthetic catenones synthetic cannabinoids, uh, which became uh, more popular among youth. But um, in late 90s and first decade uh, of the 21st century, you had a very dramatic growth and very uh, dramatic uh, epidemic of uh, opioid use. and at that time, the major way of spreading HIV, uh, the, the most common way of spreading HIV, uh, was injection drug use. Uh, in the beginning of 2000s, it was something like 70% of new cases of uh, HIV were infected mm, through um, uh, injection drug use. So uh, at some stage, uh, we had something like 30 to 50% in some regions of Russia of people who inject drugs to be HIV positive. Most of them are opioid users. There's a massive overlap then between the opioid use and HIV epidemics. Yeah, we were facing, at that time, we were facing actually dual epidemic of uh, opioid use disorders and um, HIV. In your study, you've... Um 
You've recruited patients who have opioid use disorder and have HIV. This is a population that's often quite marginalised and can be hard to reach. Can you tell us a little bit about how you went about recruiting participants to the study and what what problems you encountered? It is not a problem to recruit uh, this population in St. Petersburg and in Russia in general. (coughs) Because in Russia, every treatment starts with detoxification. We don't have agonist-based treatment. Uh, so we have a very uh, well-developed system of specialized addiction hospital. Uh, we have a special hospital for people with alcohol and drug addiction for almost 500 beds in St. Petersburg. Uh, and uh, another similar uh, in the Lenin Ridge, uh, which is a huge area surrounding the city of St. Petersburg, almost uh, as Belgium in terms of its size. Uh, So we recruited in the city addiction hospital, in the addiction hospital for the Leningrad region. Uh, People are coming there for the taxification. They refer to the local addiction psychiatrist, to this hospital for the taxification, and then after detoxification, uh, stabilization, they are coming back to the place they are living for aftercare and for um, uh, outpatient rehabilitation um, uh, in the district they are living. So uh, we basically recruited, uh, recruited from uh, this system, from both addiction hospitals. Uh, both of them, as I mentioned, have about 500 of beds, uh, city addiction hospital for St. Petersburg and something like 300 beds for just alcoholics and drug addicts in the addiction hospital for the Leningrad region. It's a funny situation when the city was renamed, it is St. Petersburg, but the huge area around the city of St. Petersburg was not renamed, it is still a Leningrad region. In your study, you were comparing a slow-release naltrexone implant with oral naltrexone. Can you tell us first what, how does naltrexone work anyway? And then can you tell us a little bit about the implantable device? Mm-hmm. Uh, implant, it is a tablet, it is a pellet to be uh, subcutaneously implanted into the anterior abdominal wall. Uh, it's a minor surgical manipulation. Uh, because you should cut the skin and enter this tablet, this pellet subcutaneously, put a couple of stitches, and that's it. Uh, it is a biodegradable uh, implant which gradually dissolves uh, after the implantation. And the process of um, its uh, gradual dissolving is up to two or three months. It depends from many um, reasons and varies individually, but at least for two, uh, for, for two months uh, after the implantation, this pellet provides a, a complete blockade of subjective effects of all opioids. And how does that compare with the oral formulation that you compared it to? It was a double blind, double blind, double blind, double dummy design. Once again, double blind, double dummy design. Each subject um, received either 
implant or uh, oral naltrexone. Uh, and uh, uh, sometimes it was, for, for some patients it was uh, naltrexone implant oral placebo, for another patient it was uh, oral naltrexone implant placebo. So implantable naltrexone is one approach to combating opioid use disorders. Uh, can you explain what other approaches are available and what are the possible advantages of this device? Uh, you, uh, you mean uh, implantable device? Yes. The major advantage of implantable device is, uh, I would say it is uh, to solve the problem of poor adherence to oral naltrexone. Because oral naltrexone, it looks like, when it was discovered, it looked like it is a perfect drug to treat opioid dependence. It blocks subjective uh, opioid effects. It, um, you know, orally administered. One tablet works for approximately 24 to 36 hours. No tolerance to, uh, to the blockade. Uh, relatively good tolerability. So it's a good drug to treat opioid dependence. Uh, I'm talking about oral naltrexone, except one thing. Um, opioid addicts, they don't like um, naltrexone and they don't take it. And drugs clearly don't work in those patients who don't take them. It's clear. So the major problem of oral naltrexone uh, drug addicts don't want to take them daily. Uh, it basically effective either in highly motivated patients or uh, in the situation when someone controls uh, adherence to oral naltrexone. Uh, naltrexone implant helps uh, to solve the problem of poor adherence to oral naltrexone because once someone is implanted with naltrexone pellet, then it works for at least two, three months, basically three months. And uh, within three months, uh, craving gradually goes down, craving for opioids, I mean, uh, and patients, they are getting more and more adjusted to the new uh, sober style of life. So um, they are... Um, getting involved in the rehabilitation process, uh, and that helps to maintain abstinence. In terms of HIV treatment adherence, your study had slightly mixed findings. Could you explain what you found and what you think the main message of your paper is in terms of achieving HIV viral suppression in this population? The major message of this publication and the, the major outcome of the study is if someone gets stabilized, on extended release naltrexone, uh, then the efficacy of um, antiretroviral therapy in HIV-positive uh, opioid users is going to be better compared to oral naltrexone. So uh, naltrexone input helps to improve abstinence uh, in opioid users. And through improving abstinence, it also improves adherence to antiretrovirals and, in its turn, the efficacy of antiretrovirals.
obviously there's quite a substantial problem with a quite substantial overlap between opioid use disorders and HIV um, in Russia. And I just wonder, do you think that this approach could be something that could be used quite widely to help to help achieve viral suppression in in a sort of larger population of people living with HIV in, in the country? I think, yes. You know, we have two extended release formulation of naltrexone. One is naltrexone implant, and another one, injectable formulation. Injectable formulation is easier to use uh, because it's just injection. It doesn't require minor surgery, but uh, it works shorter than implant. It works for about one month only. But both uh, might be used um, in um, patients with opioid use disorders uh, on um, antiretroviral therapy, on HIV-positive opioid addicts. Well, thank you very much for explaining a bit of the background to your study and the results there. That's been very helpful. Thank you very much for publishing our paper and for the interview. Our pleasure. Thank you.